0: Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker,
1: musician, former professor, and the host of Love & Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril.
0: Welcome to Love & Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. So as you know from last week's episode, we were invited to participate in Veronica Grant's Worthy in Love podcast tour. And as you also know from last week's episode, as I was preparing my thoughts and what I wanted to share about the topic of being worthy in love, being worthy of love, A couple names kept coming to mind. And so I was deliberating whose platform, whose message is best suited to this topic. And then finally, I thought, well, why don't I offer all of them the opportunity to share? Because I think they all have something very valuable to communicate about being worthy in love. So I interviewed psychotherapist Elliot Anderson, who you've heard on the program many times. Also, Lise Wilcox, mindset coach, who you've also heard on the program many times, and Anita Stoudmire, creator of Better Love Movement. I planned on sharing all the interviews in one episode, and then I realized as I listened to them, they Each had a unique vantage point, and they really stood alone, and I wanted them to have the opportunity to share their thoughts with you and shine the spotlight on each of their interviews independently. So we're rolling them out in three separate episodes, and today's episode is with Lise Wilcox, who joined me on the program way back in episode 47, Authenticity Matters, a conversation with writer and mindset coach Lise Wilcox. The second part of that conversation was episode 50, Asleep in Your Own Life. Lise Wilcox shares how she finally woke up and how you can too. Lise joined me in March of 2020 in a season three bonus episode to speak about mindset in the midst of a global pandemic. And today, Lise is back to talk about what it means to truly believe you're worthy in love. To set things up, I want to refer back to the article I talked about last week, which looked at some research involving people who believe they deserve love versus people who don't believe they're worthy of love. And the author of the study, Alona Jerebek, shared some particularly poignant thoughts about the notion of feeling worthy of love. Here's another quote from the study. When you watch how babies interact, It's not hard to see that they have an inherent sense of their own value. When they cry, there's no doubt in their minds that they will be comforted. When they're happy, they expect nothing less than for others to share in their bliss. In essence, we're born with an inherent understanding that we deserve love. Unfortunately, this assumption gets eroded in some of us. If we don't receive the unconditional love and support we need from our parents as we grow, we begin to believe that love is conditional, depending on things like good grades, good performance in sports, unquestionable obedience, etc. We come to believe, especially during our teenage years, that to be loved and accepted, we have to look and behave a certain way. So we move through life believing that love doesn't come easily that we must fulfill certain conditions in order to be worthy of it. And the more conditions there are, many of which we place on ourselves, the less and less we feel we deserve love. This quote is the perfect segue to my conversation with Lise Wilcox right after this. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right as you know i wrote the book i wish had been available to me when i was single so obviously it's not about how to snag a man rather it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out chapter 11 of Single as the New Black in episode 145 of Love and Life. Lise, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on yet again, a fan favorite for sure, (laughs) one of my faves as well. (laughs) And as I was preparing my thoughts for this Worthy in Love podcast tour that Love and Life was invited to participate in, your name kept coming to mind, and I know that you and I are the type of people that if something's getting a prodding, if we're getting a prodding in our intuition or... A name comes to mind. That's not something to dismiss. And of course, your, your first book, To Call Myself Beloved, seems like the perfect resource for someone who's trying to wrestle with or move through the doubt that they may not be worthy in love. So I thought, let me just invite Lise to share because I think <laughs> she's going to have so much on this topic. So yeah, when, when we talk about this worthy in love, where does that land with you?
1: I think it's such a great conversation to have. And I think it has so many different angles and so many different layers. Because as you know, there are stories that we tell ourselves. And sometimes mm-hmm. those stories, are they, they feel so real. And we lose sight of how false they are. And that unlearning process, like the unlearning of what is a true story versus who are you really at your core before love happened or before a brother life happened to you.
0: Right. Yes. It's such
1: a lengthy process. So to really open up this dialogue around worthy and love, I feel like brings to the surface, what does it mean to truly feel worthy of love?
0: And the meaning I think is, is so critical for your work certainly and the work I do as well what does that mean? And what is blocking you from Mm -hmm. the the God-given dignity and worth that Mm -hmm. every person has, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's God-given and it can't be taken away. No matter what programming has come at you and you've sadly internalized, again, like you said, before you were even aware, Mm -hmm. we're internalizing these stories, these messages So with the clients that you work with, what are some of the ways that you can help them unpack what might be blocking them, the lies they may be in fact Mm. telling themselves that are convincing them that they're not worthy in love? And then of course, if we don't believe fundamentally that we are worthy of love, we're probably going to make some choices that don't serve us and that can be very destructive.
1: I was just thinking, it's like, I live in this small town and for the sake of ease and convenience, I go to one specific grocery store because it's very small. So I go in, I go out and away I go. It's very easy. Uh, and then if I ever go to a bigger grocery store, all of a sudden there's like a mustard aisle, whereas my own tiny little grocery store has like two kinds of mustard. And anytime I go into that bigger grocery store, I get hit with this, this wave of like, oh, Right. I forgot there's like a whole other world of mustard out there. And I feel like this is the same thing, less edible, but still the same thing. <laughs> All right. We get sheltered by and trapped in these stories of, oh, I guess this is just the way I guess this is just the way it is. I guess this is how it's supposed to be. I guess this is what marriage looks like. Or I guess this is what dating looks like. I guess this is just what it is for me. And we lose sight that there is such a bigger grocery store. There's like a bigger world of mustard out there with so many other options, but we don't know what we don't know. So a lot of the work that I do with clients is looking for these relational patterns. You know, when I work with people, we start with like a one day intensive, like an eight hour session, solely designed to get massive context and clarity around what are these stories and what are these limiting beliefs and decisions where did this all happen in our in our own psyche that makes us believe a certain thing to be true? And from there, we start to look at how that pattern appears over and over again, not just with intimate partnerships, but in family dynamics and you know, in friendship dynamics, because as we know, those behavioral patterns, those relational patterns are usually incredibly consistent. They just look different depending on the relationship that we're in. So part of that, like, discovery of this bigger world of mustard is identifying that pattern, figuring out where it happened and how to undo it, how to unlearn it. And then I'm trying to use this grocery store thing again, but then like, <laughs> like, explore a bigger shelf of something that may not have been previously available to someone because they were stuck within the confines of this one teeny tiny little frame of reference, if that makes sense.
0: It definitely makes sense. And it just brings to mind this notion of reality. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's all that esoteric to suggest and submit that our beliefs are our reality. And that's, they are the lens, the lenses through which we view our world such that I do not see the world as it is. I see the world as I believe it to be. Yes. Right. So like you said, if I have internalized this is just the way love is. Yes. Love is hard. Love is painful. Love mm-hmm. is a struggle. Love is usually abusive to some mm-hmm. degree. If I've internalized that and until I figure out and realize that that is a belief that I have the choice to adhere to or to step away from and and be critical of it and dispute mm-hmm. it in my mind and go, "Wait a minute. I I don't even know where you came from, but you are not accurate. You don't have to be accurate. You Mm -hmm. feel accurate. You feel like truth right now. Mm -hmm. And that's not working for me. But that takes, like you said, it takes an eight-hour intensive, I think. I mean, it takes something to really shake things up. And, Lise, why would you – So again, we're kind of speaking from the outside here, looking in, and I think we've both been stuck in this personally, which I'd love Mm -hmm. you to speak to in a moment. But why do you think, because I do think that sometimes these efforts to hold on to negative belief systems, they are a survival mode of sorts. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we do this. I think we do it with a a bit of twisted logic. Why do Mm -hmm. you see, or what do you think that people will hold on to these beliefs?
1: It's like, you know, when you have a toothache that kind of comes out of nowhere, and you accidentally discover the toothache by just gently pressing against that tooth with your tongue. And you're like, oh my God, that hurts so much. Why did I do that? And then you do it again. Because it kind <laughs> of feels good, right? It's, like, it's it's this wacky internal flaw, this like system design flaw that we have right. that the brain, you know, you know this as well as I do, probably better than I do, the brain love status quo status quo feels so good because it's so easy and easy feels so good so you know me personally when I was in the worst relationship like the worst relationship of my life that looked so great from the outside but on the inside felt so dead and so empty there was no intimacy physical emotional mental like there was nothing and I remember at that time saying to a friend oh But how could I ever do better than this? Because the story that I had internalized and then unconsciously chosen to repeat over and over again until I consciously chose to figure out what it would take to interrupt that unconscious pattern was that I was a person whose love would come to me by sitting at the table and begging at the edge for scraps and whatever scraps or whatever crumbs of love I could get, that would fill me up. I would allow that to fill me up. The pattern that I had learned and lived and practiced like over and over and over again was that to me, love felt like chasing something relentlessly and every now and then being thrown this cookie of affection and then hanging onto that cookie and like making it last until you know the next one would come along every, who knows, two or three months or years, whatever. So I think that, you know, it's this it's so complex because people, we don't really understand ourselves. We very few of us have a like a high understanding or a high level of understanding of who we are. We have very low self-awareness as a whole. And so we don't know what we're even being held back by. So until somebody has the conscious wherewithal to be like, hang on a second, uh, we're all going to (laughs) die. This is all going to end. Nobody is getting out of this alive. Is there possibly a way I could do this better? And if so, do I have the courage to do what it takes to figure out like, what would that way look like for me? Is there a different way that I can do this? Is there a different game I can kind of play? Or can I break some of the rules that have been kind of fed to me so that I can make this life experience more enjoyable and more my own? But that takes a conscious awareness of what doesn't feel good so that you can start to explore what on earth is holding you back subconsciously behind the scenes that's driving you at this like primal level to keep repeating what you've always known to be true to be true.
0: And I think that those quotes, I wrote them down because they were really poignant to me. How could I ever do better than this? Yes. And that recognition that you had internalized That your role in relationships was to be the person who would sit at the table begging for scraps. I mean, that's like, that hits really hard. That hits deep. And I think. Psych 101 here, it doesn't take a psychologist to (laughs) to look at where some of that comes from. Of course, Mm -hmm. childhood experiences, obviously, Mm -hmm. what parents are able to give us as children and what they are incapable of giving us. With our adult eyes, we can go, you know, maybe my parents did as as best as they could because they had screwed up family, right? We can do that very intellectualization, intellectualizing of our childhood. And I think it's appropriate. We need to forgive our parents at some Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. But also- In that same moment, the wound is profound. Oh, yeah. And how then were you able to say to yourself at some point, well, no, I can do better than this. And no, I don't deserve to be the person begging for scraps. Mm -hmm. Because if we've only known that experience through all those formative relationships, Mm -hmm. how do we convince ourselves? No, I'm worth more.
1: I personally felt like I was dying on the inside and that's not hyperbole. I really did. I felt like I was drowning. And I remember there being this this moment of like feeling like I had gone through um, a literal and also metaphorical notebook of stuff to try differently, like things to try to make this work. And I remember a moment of completion in which I was like, oh, I I did everything possible. Like there's, you know, as a recovering codependent, recovering people pleaser, (laughs) Trust me, I'm always going to find a way of doing something above and beyond to make it work. And I remember getting to the end of that and thinking, oh, sugar, there is literally nothing else you can do to make this work. And in that moment, I was going through my own spiritual awakening, my own divine awakening. But that's when I heard that initial whisper. I say it's from the divine as well. That was like, you know what you (laughs) like, you know what you have to do. You have to leave this relationship. And so I feel like making space within myself to hear that intuitive, soulful, divine nudge. And then f- honestly, not even finding the courage, but choosing to trust myself, to trust myself and taking action from there was, I guess, a pivotal moment.
0: You had to step away from a relationship that was doing absolutely nothing but reinforcing the lies yes. that you had been telling yourself, that you had been told to you, which you then internalized, and then your behavior reflected those lies.
1: And I didn't even know they were lies at the time. I just no. knew that it felt so, I, there was a certain breaking point of like, no, I can't I, I can't do this anymore. So I don't even know what's on the other side, but I can't be here anymore.
0: And I love that you reiterate, we don't know their lies. And yes. that's why it gets back to that point of yes. what is truth? What is reality? And recognizing there is, we have the power to mm-hmm. decide that this fundamental lie is in fact a lie. Yes. Although initially we will think that we are lying to ourselves by convincing ourselves. lie. You'll be like, you're crazy. Of course, that's all I deserve. That's all I'm worth. That's, I've been told that I've, I've lived this. This is every moment up until this moment has reinforced and convinced me that that lie was in fact true. So it will take, again, as we said, mm-hmm. some jarring. And something, Lise, that you mentioned about trusting yourself, which I think really ties in beautifully with this theme, worthy in love, mm-hmm. worthy of love. And it's a point that you made when we were going back and forth emailing as I was asking you to to share with my community today. The point of finding that worthiness mm-hmm has to be a personal, the point has to be personal. Speak mm-hmm. to that if you would.
1: Oh, it, this is, you know, this is a personal pain point that I'm I coming to make <laughs> peace with myself. I don't yeah. mind sharing, but it, it the peace is the point. The worthiness is the point. And as I have shared with you, I just feel like there's such a tendency and such a push in the dating, health, wellness, mental health, emotional health, Like within this whole space and this whole sphere of like, uh, how could you expect anyone else to love you if you can't even love yourself? So, if you're a recovering codependent or still like alive and well in patterns of codependency and, and people pleasing, that's like cocaine. It's like, what? There's something more I could do to fix myself? Oh, thank God. And you go deeper down the rabbit hole in like a thinly veiled or thinly disguised as personal grouse when actually what you're doing is fixing yourself with the out the um the outcome being like the cookie this reward of a relationship right so kind of like blames the person who's already feeling insecure with this little dangling carrot of like well nobody else can do this unless you love yourself first and then the subtext is therefore honey Once you love yourself, this relationship is going to materialize. Mm -hmm. And we treat humans like they're algorithms. So if you do this, then this will happen. Or first you do this and then you do that. And you may know this from personal experience and professional practice. Mm -hmm. Life doesn't work like that because humans aren't algorithms. So when we do this, you know, go down this rabbit hole of self-discovery, of self-acceptance, of truly coming home to ourselves and and genuinely loving who we are and embodying that, the the person that we were before life really happened and before we learned all those stories and, and false narratives, we have to be crystal bloody clear that we're doing it for ourselves because what we're doing there is creating this new, deep internal level of peace. And that is the point. If a relationship comes after that, cool. If it doesn't, cool. In the meantime, we are so stable and so securely supportive and loving of who we are that it necessarily changes how we show up with our families, with our friends, ultimately with partners if that happens. But all of that is a bonus of how we feel being in our own self and body.
0: I love Everything about that. Oh, I hate it. I, I hate it. It's such a painful truth. It's like, yeah. you know, well, because right? well, you want control.
1: I mean you oh, want the algorithm definitely. to me. I get it. Definitely. <laughs> Did you know how much easier life would be if it's like, oh cool, all I have to do is flick the switch, turn on yeah. the self-love, and then, you know, John Krasinski incarnate shows up and my goes like, Oh, damn, it doesn't work like that.
0: Well, as you know, because you were kind enough to review my book, that's exactly the theme of my book. In the first chapter, I talk about that. It's this control we desire. So let me figure out that fundamental flaw I have. I'll fix it, and boom, he shows up. Yeah, Yeah, spoiler alert, it doesn't work that way, which drives us crazy because – women who are go-getters and we Mm -hmm. want to get after it and we're disciplined and we're driven and we want all the things and we we apply that practice to so many realms of life and we are able to achieve our goals which is wonderful we just have to recognize that it doesn't work in love because Mm. as you so beautifully put people are people (laughs) and and they're not algorithms If you're looking for some in depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com, and click on the Work with Me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, we'll target limiting beliefs and thought patterns, we'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood, we'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals and we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. Elise, thank you so much for sharing this. I would love for you to take a moment to talk about your books, your first one, of course, which is so in line with this conversation. And then, of course, your second one, which is (laughs) kind of like part two of this conversation, actually. (laughs) And then, of course, where people can find you and work with you if they'd like to.
1: You bet. So the first book is called To Call Myself Beloved, A Story of Hope, Healing, and Coming Home. And it really is this, you know, 395-page self-love manifesto and was absolutely the guide I specifically was looking for when I kept reading memes and things on Instagram about like self-love and nobody would actually tell me how on earth I was supposed to love myself so that book really walks you through that process and then the second book is called Alone the Truth and Beauty of Belonging and spoiler alert it explores what it means to be alone versus lonely, versus in solitude, and this complex range of emotions we have for each of those things, how they show up in our parenting, in our friendships, in our social lives, in our partnerships, and it really explores like where this feeling of uh, the fear of alone comes from, or a feeling of loneliness comes from, and how much of that is really internal to the human condition, and what exactly are we fighting against when we say we're afraid of being alone.
0: Hmm. Another chapter of my book, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I did like the cliff notes, and you did the deep dive. And I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of reviewing both of your books, and yeah. they are absolutely fantastic. I encourage anyone to head over to leasewilcox.com and that's L-E-I-S-S-E, Wilcox, as you would expect it spelled. And you can purchase the books there, I'm sure, and check out Lisa's coaching program. I'm sure you can find the books on Amazon as well, because I know you were a bestseller recently. (laughs) Wonderful. Congratulations. Lisa, any parting words for the community about Worthy in Love or any just... I just feel like
1: (laughs) imagine (laughs) if I was just like, no, see you later. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, it is, it's such a conscious decision. And I feel like people get so afraid of confronting their own reality that they just kind of keep sweeping it under the table or they keep repressing it. The only person who knows how you feel is you. And the only person who can affect any degree of change is also you. And, you know, I'm just going to gently nudge people in in that direction to make their own conclusion about what happens next.
0: Wonderful. Thanks again, Lise, for joining me. I really appreciate it. My
1: pleasure. Thank you.
0: The love and life hack for this week is the worthiness is the point. It's not to love yourself to get love from someone else. It's to love yourself to affirm your own worthiness. As always, thank you so much for joining us this week. I really appreciate you listening. If you have a moment to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and a few words of review that helps others find the program and join the love and life community. If you haven't had the chance to sign up for my newsletter and get your free Empowered Dating Playbook, be sure to do so at loveandlifemedia.com. It's a free CBT-infused Playbook for how to date empowered. We want to date smarter, not harder, and I want to help you along your way. Take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril, and until next time, make it a great week.
1: Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer Dr. Karen Anderson Abril.